Hello and welcome to Soul Cravings. If this is your first time here, then I'm delighted that you've joined us. I'm Karen Seeger and in today's show I want to talk about grief, the soul cravings caused by grief. Now I don't know about you, but I've experienced a number of different types of grief in my life so far and I know a lot more is yet to come. Perhaps it's age. I don't know. But I know that in order to grieve, we don't need to have death. When things come to an end in our lives, chapters close, new chapters open. There's always a period of grief. Something will never be the same again. Some things will never happen again. We will never be able to do them again. And some things we will never be able to do in the first place. Because something has changed. Something has come to an end. I'm reminded of this a lot these days because I'm also going through a few anniversaries, some grief anniversaries and some birthdays of people who've died. I always find these moments really important, as painful as they may be. Some years I actually forget about them. We are so busy sometimes that with the best will in the world, some dates get forgotten. Some people get very upset about this and doubt the level of grief that we may hold. But I think grief is very personal. The grief that we feel is as complex and as individual as we are and as the person who has died or the situation that has come to an end. If you haven't yet experienced a lot of grief, then grief will also come knocking on your door. It's the way it goes in life family die, relationships come to an end, we change jobs, we lose jobs, we move house, we may lose homes, you name it. All of those things are about endings and some people are good with endings and some people are not. Some of this can go back to the way we have been taught about how to cope with endings. I remember when I was brought up I grew up in a very small village in Germany. Grief was really more about the arrangements around death and dying and ceremonies, funerals and such. The individual approach to grief wasn't very much encouraged. There was an expectation you wear black and if you are the family or, for example, the partner of a person who has died, especially if you are a woman, the expectation was you would wear black for quite a long time to come. Now, in, in this day and age, and especially depending on the society you find yourself in, more individual forms of grieving are acceptable and are also encouraged. Oftentimes, funerals are now celebrations of life. Two years ago, a very good friend of mine died. Her original breast cancer returned and when she was finally diagnosed, she had very little time left to live. It was a matter of weeks. Her friends and her family accompanied her during this very short time that was left. And it was very instructive for me because I had never experienced almost a shared communal experience of grief. And I have never had the opportunity to speak with somebody who knew they were dying. 
My father died a few years ago unexpectedly while he was in hospital, the night before he was due to be discharged. Other people in my family who've died didn't really want to talk about death. They knew they were dying, practical arrangements were made, but the feelings were not addressed. So here with my friend this was the first time where we openly celebrated her life with her while she was with us. Now you may have noticed that in today's society, in our Western society certainly, we talk a lot more about death. There's a lot more coverage about it in the media, for example. But I think still people may think that talking about death opens themselves up to pain. Now, there is nothing right or wrong about how we deal with grief. We all have to find our own ways. And you may know about the stages of grief. If you don't, you can look them up. I don't want to sort of uh, give you a lesson about, about this concept here. Um, but suffice it to say, there are some key emotional elements of grief that we will all experience, like numbness, disbelief, anger, blame, shame, fear, depression, and in time, as they say, time heals wounds. What happens is we will carry on with the scars. In our lifetime, we will accumulate a lot of scars, and many of them will relate to loss, grieving, and death. Again, there's nothing right or wrong about this. It's the way it is. And sometimes we can cope with loss and death a lot better than at different times in our lives. There may be a whole range for reasons. But I believe that the nature and severity of the scars that we carry away is very much informed by how we experience the death of another. And that's why I would like to briefly come back to the experience of my friend dying and also talk a bit about the experience of my father dying. Two very different ways of dealing with death. In my friend's case, we had the opportunity to start grieving together before she died. And in that way, grieving was done with a lot of memories. We shared memories. We shared special times. And we found out things about each other that we had no idea of. It was a very special time. It was a very hard time because we could also see the physical change in our friend. I've never experienced somebody gradually dying over time. I've never experienced somebody dying of cancer in that way or of any other illness in that way. So it was a first for me to see the loss of weight and the difficulty, for example, in, in breathing, the extreme tiredness that started to overcome my friend and the, the loss in her physical abilities um, was very pronounced and very noticeable. You might find it difficult to hear me talk about this. Um, this is something very frightening and it can be very traumatizing to see, but I think it is very important 
that we understand the workings of the body in that way and I'm very grateful I have been able to experience it because now I know what to perhaps expect if I was to go through this again. Indeed, I have a better insight into what I might expect to happen to me if, when I was to die of the breast cancer that I currently have in my body. I said the physical change in my friend because emotionally and mentally despite the great fatigue that she experienced and the body slowing down there was a very strong spirit still noticeable in her at one point she would have her eyes closed for most of the time but she could hear what we were saying and sometimes her eyes opened and she would just speak with her eyes or she would just say a few words and usually put us into our place and tell us not to be silly and to get on with things or she would share some um, moments of wisdom she she was who she was throughout her life until the very last moments now I said before as traumatizing as those experiences can be they can also give us a lot of good they can be very comforting because whenever I think of her yes I think of some of the things that I have seen but I also think of her and I can hear her talk about the way she wants to experience the end of her life she was fully involved in it and that gives me a lot of solace and that gives me a lot of strength and comfort but death doesn't always happen in such a way I was unable to have this conversation with my father even well before his death I was trying to speak to him about his attitude and view on dying um, while he had made all practical arrangements um, in terms of a will and uh, his wishes for his funeral and so on the emotional side was not discussed it might be because of his generation because he's a man because of his personality because of the things he has experienced in his life and his own experiences of loss grief and death I didn't really get much out of him and at the time I was very disappointed and if truth is told actually I was a bit angry too I wish we had been able to talk about it because then I would have been able to remember him perhaps in a different way and it goes back to what I was saying earlier on these conversations can give those who we leave behind a lot of comfort because we share with them our view on grief and we have moments perhaps of sharing memories with them before we die now you may hear me talk about all of this in a matter-of-fact way and perhaps it is because I've been thinking about this for a very long time indeed and I do it as part of my job as well but I also know that it is not easy to talk about our own death with others because we may not want to die we may not have accepted the fact that we may be dying and I know we all will die but if we know our death is perhaps premature and stops us from achieving things or experiencing things that we had hoped for in our life then it is very hard 
we may also think that we have to protect others from our pain. And we may think that we have to protect others because if we don't, we end up having to take care of their emotions as well as our own. So it can be difficult to have conversations about death. I remember when I first started speaking with my mother about my death. It was extremely hard for her. I was doing it because I was hoping to get support from her. You expect your parents to have the answers, to know better, to have figured it all out. Sadly, I think we are wrong. We are unfair on them. So my mother struggled with it very much. Her child speaking to her about the child's death. It's the wrong way around. But I have also noticed that over time my mother has actually warmed up to speaking about it. And it has started to help her and help her with her own grief and helped her to face up to the very real possibility that I might die before her. It has also helped her to deal with her own prospect of dying and in a way over time we have been able to start comforting each other. This would have not been possible if we had not carried on with the difficult job of speaking about something so painful. Now I said earlier on that sometimes in our lives coping with loss can be more easy than at other times and this can be for a whole range of reasons. It all depends on what else might have been going on at the same time. We may have accumulated a lot of stress, perhaps other losses that we haven't yet fully processed and then another loss comes in. It can be very difficult to juggle all of those emotions and to cope with them. We often talk about how to cope with loss once it has occurred. But I think it is equally, perhaps even more important, to be aware of how we can prepare for loss when we know it's coming our way. Loss and grief takes space. It takes space in our lives, physically, emotionally, mentally. It takes a lot of our internal resources. It takes a lot of time. It can be very exhausting, very stressful, very draining. That's why we need to start cutting down on commitments. We need to get extra sleep. We need to look after our health, our diet. Loss, while it happens, and certainly after, can also be a shock to our immune system. At times we run on adrenaline, sorting everything out, holding it all together, and then there will be an anticlimax and we sort of flop and we may collapse in a heap, physically, emotionally, mentally. There is a time of numbness, a time of exhaustion and tiredness. We can't carry on as if nothing has happened. And the attitude of pull yourself together, get on with it, time will heal all wounds, is quite frankly damaging to our well-being. We need to make space for the experience of loss. We need to create time 
and we need to be an active participant in how we use time for us to heal from the experience of loss. So loss and grief bring a range of challenges. Sometimes we can cope with them well, at other times it may be harder on us. And sometimes others may have expectations in terms of how we should grieve, how intense the pain should be, how we should show grief. And that can be very difficult when we sometimes don't feel the way others expect us to. The experience of loss is very personal. It is not written on our forehead and it is not something that others can see. But we can feel it, we know when it is there. Sometimes it's the sense of distress, the numbness, the memories. Sometimes it's a very intense state of feeling and sometimes it's just an empty void. Yet we try and function and carry on the best we can. Sometimes in the knowledge of difficult things which may lie ahead or difficult things that lie behind. We all try the best that we can and I think speaking about it can help us think through perhaps different ways of coping in the future if that's what we choose to do. Death is part of life, we all know that. And I think if we can speak about death and embrace it in our lifetime, it will make living a lot easier. It's at least one elephant that we have removed out of the room. Something less to worry about. So if you currently go through an experience of loss and grief, then take heart. You're not alone. There is a lot that you can do. I think one of the most important things we can all do is not to deny the pain of loss and grief. Yes, it may make us look vulnerable, but it is a vulnerable time that we go through. Why should we pretend any different? If we can accept those feelings, it will actually give us more strength. It will take less fear and less stress. I hope that today's soul cravings about grief and loss has been of interest to you and that you have found something of use to take back into your own life. As you know, I believe we all carry wisdom and I hope that by listening here and perhaps sharing some of your own experiences in your own family or with your circle of friends will help you tap into your own wisdom and who knows what good it may do for you and for others. I'm Karen Seeger. I look forward to meeting you here again next time. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Karen Seeger or check out my articles on karenseeger.com. Take good care and see you soon.